Hello, welcome back to the Class Divide podcast. Before me and Carly share some news with you, um, I just wanted to say that Class Divide basically operates by volunteers offering their time. All of us are volunteers giving up our time in amongst all the other stuff we have going on in our lives. Um, But this work's super important for us. It's really important for our local community, but also important for places further afield as well. And we'll talk a bit about that later. But that means that we really could do with your support. And if you do have any cash to spare, we do have a Just Giving page. And we would really, really appreciate it if you could donate some money to help us carry on doing the work that we're doing. Um, And we've put a link in the show notes to guide you on how to do that. So, Carly... Here we are again after the last time we were together working on this, or certainly in the podcast, back in November, December time. Do you want to summarise a little bit about what happened over December? Absolutely. So just for those of you that are new to this podcast, on the 7th of November 2023, Brighton Hove City Council's Children, Young People and Schools Committee voted in favour of a consultation period for a change to the secondary school admissions policy down here in the city and essentially the change would mean that children who are eligible for free school meals would have priority in the secondary school admissions process and that all of our community schools would need to teach at least the average percentage of children who are eligible for free school meals in our city which is 25% at the moment but is estimated to be 28% when this policy if it gets final approval tonight will start, so from September 2025. That vote essentially triggered a six-week consultation period and Classified have been really busy taking part in that consultation and encouraging others to take part in it as well. So the things that we did were do a range of uh, public events where we spoke to people about the campaign, spoke to people about these proposals, and I think we were really careful to set out what we thought were the positives of the proposal, but also some of the things that actually were potentially slightly trickier and would need to be considered if people were trying to make a decision about whether or not they supported this. In those events, we we then went on to make it really clear what our case was for support. And we encouraged people that came along, no matter kind of what their views really, to take part in the consultation process. So we made that slightly easier for them. Those events, I thought, were like really helpful, actually, because it enabled us to do things in our local community, uh, speak to people who were interested in the campaign and had heard about us that we hadn't spoken to before and essentially kind of set out what we thought were the reasons why it would be really beneficial for the city for this change to go ahead, but also more importantly for kids and families in the estates, basically. Um, And obviously that's where kind of class divide is really focused and concentrated. The other thing we did was we uh, published a special edition of the podcast where we set out all of those reasons as to why we supported the proposal. And the local authority also did some consultation. So there was an online consultation document that people could survey, that people could go and complete. Um, They ran a series of online meetings for people who just wanted to drop in and had maybe questions or queries or needed things to be clarified about the proposal. We were just really active in trying to encourage anybody that uh, wanted to take part and have their say on this to actually make it as simple as possible for them to be able to do so. And I think that was really important for us because 
often people from our estates don't necessarily take part in consultations because to be quite frank, who has the time to be thinking about what is the latest proposal from the education, you know, um, the Children, Young People and Schools Committee. So it was really our job, I think, to show them that this was happening and that it was important and to encourage them to take part in the democratic process because ultimately that's what we want them to do, however they feel about it. So we had a really busy November, December, um, really trying to do as much as we could to just encourage people to take part, obviously never knowing what the outcome of that would be. And I think I was really um, heartened that so many people on Twitter kind of indicated that they'd taken part. We were getting emails from people saying, you don't know me, I'm a local resident, I live in an, in an area potentially that could be affected by this decision, but I still think it's the right thing to do for the city. And I think, if I'm honest, having those responses gave me a lot of hope. Um, even though we didn't know what the outcome would be, it really did give me quite a lot of hope to think that, you know, maybe we are the city that we say we are. I don't know, maybe we are. And maybe this is our opportunity to really kind of prove it. I went to the the council consultation online events and like, I was like you pleasantly surprised even though like the, there were parents there who were maybe not supportive of these changes but they understood that change needs to happen and that to me actually felt quite positive that people are understanding that what is happening in Brighton Hove isn't right um, and that we do need to find a way to, to, to fix these inequalities that, that we have so and also I mean it's funny like today I've been looking back at some past consultations that have happened around some of this stuff and there was one thing I saw in relation to East Brighton where only 70 people took part from East Brighton and I, um, I know because I've looked at the, the report that we're just about to talk a little bit about um, that a lot more people took part in this consultation and, and a lot more people showed support. And so it is heartening. Yeah, I think so. And I think it's also kind of in some ways goes against the idea that areas like, like count, people living on council estates don't care about politics and they're completely disengaged from it. Um, and I always kind of want to resist that idea. You know, they understand that politics affects their lives. They may choose not to vote and I may have a, a you know, I may have an opinion around that. However, I think a lot of it is just making them aware that these things are happening, you know, enabling them to access the process and making them feel like they've actually got some incentive to do so because it's something that's going to affect their lives, the lives of their children or their wider family or the wider community. And I think... One of the really great things about the special episode was it just set it out in a really accessible way. And I think also the fact that what we, the position we don't take is we're going to tell you how to think. Like we're like, you can think for yourself. You can look at the kind of arguments as they're presented, weigh them up for yourselves and, and have an opinion on that. And I know definitely there were people who on the on balance, having listened to our presentation, having spoken to us and having been able to kind of talk to us about the proposals, then went on to say that they didn't support them. But I see the fact that they came to an event, listened to the arguments, decided, were encouraged enough to take part in the consultation, then decided that actually they had some concerns which meant that they couldn't support the proposal. I still see that as a massive win for Class Divide. And I don't know, it sounds a bit weird maybe but I, you know that was something that really gives me a lot of like incentive to carry on 
doing the work that we're doing. So just a, a few numbers for you. So 1,404 people took part in the consultation. Apparently that's a record, so that's good. Well well done, Brighton, for, for getting involved in, in this. 593 people strongly or tended to agree with the change and 401 people strongly disagreed or tended to dis- disagree with the change. And there was a few hundred people who didn't offer an opinion. And I think that's because on the same consultation, there was other questions about school pans and closures. And so I imagine that those are people that were more interested in that stuff. So it's it's interesting. I mean, you know, we're, we're sort of nearly at 600 people that are agreeing with, with the change, which is brilliant. It's really good. And I think even though I understand that there are potential uncertainties with this policy change, and we were absolutely open about that in the special episode, and I will, I'm willing to be absolutely open about that now, which is, I mean, primarily the one that concerns us is any idea that it will mean another community school has to shut because of numbers. Um, and we do not want that to happen, but we had to concede, not even concede, but be really open that we don't know what's going to happen in terms of birth rates and we don't know what's going to, what the impact of this policy is going to be, but that we absolutely support secondary schools in our community and we'll continue to support them to stay open and do whatever it is that we can to make sure that we don't have any more secondary school closures. As I reminded everybody, we made a whole podcast about the devastating impact it on a neighbourhood of having a community school, a school just that was local to them, shut, and it would be the last thing we would ever want to happen again. So this is going to require like a longer kind of process in terms of making sure or us doing all that we can to make sure that that doesn't happen. But so, so I can imagine there were definitely people that maybe said that they wouldn't support the policy on that basis. And maybe there were people who thought that actually it's a kind of test and there's no, you know, this hasn't been done elsewhere. So, so actually it may be a bit risky. I think the people I'm most interested in talking to, but I don't know if we ever will get an opportunity to talk to them, is just those people who genuinely just worry about kids in more affluent areas of the city going to school in places where there is less affluence or there is a higher number of kids who are disadvantaged. And the reason why I worry a bit about that group is because what has to happen next is if this policy proposal gets final approval tonight, which I don't know, maybe I'll just like lose it somewhere in the corner (laughs) if it actually does. It's now going to be absolutely vital that those schools who predict that their pupil cohort will change over time respond positively to this and actually that they encourage their parents and their governors to respond positively to this because we want children from different parts of the city to feel welcome, to feel like those schools are inclusive of them, to feel like they are, you know, it was the right decision for them to make to go to that school. Um, because I think unless that happens alongside other things you know it's actually going to be really tricky so I would I guess I'd just ask people to kind of think a little bit about why they might oppose a policy that essentially gives some small tiny advantage to children who are already facing extreme hardship in a lot of cases and other multiple disadvantages in their lives. I mean, I don't want to go through this too much because I, I don't want to really focus on the sort of negatives, but there, there was one one comment in the report suggesting that the council was virtue signalling. 
And it just sort of made me think what would make someone write a comment like that, that that this is a council doing something to try and look good by, I don't know, maybe what, helping the poor kiddies or something? I don't know. I don't know what, what, what that's about. But it just sort yeah. of makes you wonder like where this opposition is coming from it does and you know and i and i guess the reason why and again without wanting to kind of you know there are so many positives we're going to talk about but without wanting to kind of go down that road i am aware that there are going to be maybe uh more public and more difficult battles to win over the next year or so um and so yeah that kind of view i think is a view that we're going to encounter potentially more and more i hope i'm wrong like i really hope that that's not how this all pans out um and that i am as surprised next time as i was this time about people's willingness to kind of come out in support of something that is a big change um but yeah, so if anyone can give us insight into into the minds of people and how we can change those minds, please, please get in touch. Let's move on to the positives, though. So some of the positives that were mentioned in the report, I mean, in fact, most of the positives were all referencing work that the Sutton Trust have been doing recently, all around fairer school admissions. And the Sutton Trust is a really interesting organisation. It's definitely worth looking up some of their reports and the work they're doing. Um, but just one, one sort of highlight um, that, that I picked up on in the report was uh, was based on research that they've done. They found that 50% of senior leaders in schools are in a view, are a view that social segregation in, is, is a problem in state schools, um, which is which is really interesting. And that 78% of parents believe that schools should have a fairer mix of pupils from different social backgrounds. I mean, you know, obviously we agree we agree with that. And there's, there's also other research that isn't in this report, but we've mentioned in previous episodes that really highlights all sorts of benefits, whether or not it's for, for children and their learning or for teachers, retention, all kinds of things that yeah. have an impact, positive impact if policies like this are enacted. And I think it has been really helpful that the Sutton Trust have been publishing their most recent analysis of... Um, kind of school composition and 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 highlighting again the amount of segregation there is in the comprehensive and I say that in air quotes system um and I think that that is definitely their support for this um and our work with them has been really crucial in terms I think of making the power you know the powerful case we've been able to make um but I think that you know for me Yes, it might be something that hasn't happened at this level in any place in our country, but it is happening in other places. And I think that careful implementation, careful monitoring and evaluation of the policy is now needed. But it would seem to me like creating a more socially and economically inclusive school system is is just a no-brainer. Like, why would you not want that type of system for your child or if you're a professional um, or a leader in this area those I suppose that's the thing as I would always want to think that we would want to create Um, I guess the one thing I would say about the report was it was quite good I think in terms of its kind of response to one of the primary issues that was that was raised as a concern in different places, even I think on the night on the 7th of November, when, so essentially when this proposal was announced, uh, it was also announced that it wouldn't lead to or result in, at the moment, any changes to the homeschool transport policy. Um, And I thought that actually, you know, we discussed the fact that it's already a policy for children on free school meals to have 
to be able to access free travel, not just to their catchment area school, but to two other schools. And I thought it was really helpful that the local authority identified and gave specific examples where a children might live in a particular area and what additional schools they would have access to if they were eligible for free school meals and wanted to um, apply for those schools and have a, a you know have a, an opportunity or a chance of getting a place. So I think there's going to have to be lots more work like that done in the areas where this potentially will have its biggest impact because I think parents will need to understand what does this mean for us when we're making our choice of uh, you know when we're picking our preferences for, for schools um, you know and in order for them to make that decision they do need to know things like will my child be eligible to get to school for free um, because obviously the threshold for free school meals is so low I mean it's kind of six over 16,000 pounds a year but that's a whole household income so you can't you know I do think it, it, you know it would be unethical to offer this choice only for for families to not be able to take advantage of it because they can't pay pay bus fare. So I thought it was really good that the local authority kind of set that out more clearly. Obviously, we've been campaigning for all children to have free travel to school because I'm really conscious of the fact that that kind of only benefits children. I mean, there are lots of families who are struggling financially at the moment. We see it all around us who aren't getting free travel to school. And we we, that's an issue that we've been campaigning on for a long time. So it's not that any of that is going to stop. It's just that I thought it was important that they kind of clarified what the current state of play is, really. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It was really, really useful. And, and especially around a, a topic that, that is so confusing for, for everyone. It seems <laughs> oh. over the years we've talked to so many different people about the home-to-school stuff. And yeah. you, you seem to get a different sort of... Uh, answer from everyone about what the policy is what it means to different people and so yeah. it's good to clarify that stuff and I think we're going to continue in the background alongside the other work we're doing still pushing yeah. for those changes to the transport policy yeah I think what I'm really hoping from tonight though is I thought it was really important that you know they use some of the Sutton Trust's um, submission to the consultation as kind of rationale and justification for this change I thought that was great but I, I would have liked to have seen what were kind of residents, parents, what reasons were people giving in support of it? Because I think that's that stuff we really need to know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just before we sort of head off and, and go and join that meeting, I, I just want to say a little bit about the makeup of the council chamber and, and what the chances are. Obviously, it's a Labour majority. We've had emails from the Green Party saying they're going to be supporting this. Yeah. Um, so there seems to be certain amount of cross-party support yeah. um uh, so we're hopeful let's see and we're going to pause in a sec and we'll rejoin you once we've heard the news that the committee agreed to change the admission priorities for brighton Hove community secondary schools to include a new priority for pupils eligible for free school meals up to the city average percentage this is a big, bold move, and I want to, like Adam, pay credit to colleagues up in the gallery there from uh, Class Divide for holding a mirror up to this city, holding a mirror to that educational inequality, and bringing this issue to public attention, to the attention of politicians, and I pay absolute and utter credit to you all up there. And frankly, a big 
thank you to Class Divide for your support, leadership on this issue. Thank you so much. Any other comments or questions we have on this? No? Marvellous. Right, okay. I would like to put this to the vote then. Does the committee agree on changing of the free school meals in the admission arrangements? Thank you. And is anyone against? And are there any abstentions? Thank you very much. Okay. So, we are currently sitting in the council building and we've just come out of hearing the results of the vote. And Carly, well, we've just played it in the podcast, but what's your first thought? Um, um, <laughs> it's like I don't have any thoughts. The thought is, and this is going to sound like hyperbolic, but for me, this is going to sound a bit over the top maybe, but this has been something I've wanted to do since I was 11 and... What happened was I had to go to a school that was different from my siblings and I've always wanted to write that injustice and this is only the beginning of that process. I really understand that. But it feels like a really important thing. So, brothers, here we go. There we go. That's what we do and that's how we do it and I'm excited about the future but a bit overwhelmed by... What's just happened? I must say, I didn't expect the clap. <laughs> I know, I know. It, it all felt a bit surreal, really. Um, I think, you know, me and you have had a weird experience over the last 12 months of having to get used to yeah. being weirdly in the limelight in a way that feels uncomfortable, and so people clapping us is yeah. odd. Because it isn't just us, either. No, it isn't just us. Absolutely and... not. Um, we've got here because of that, which is great, but there are all of the other people that got petitions signed, put deputations into the council, knocked people out for the hustings event, made tea at the hustings event, um, you know, came along to meetings, came along to the public meetings, um, put, those, put their responses into the consultation, even though they didn't know us personally, but felt strongly enough about this issue that... That that's what they did um, and I think a thousand responses is incredible and if I'm honest it's given me a tiny bit of hope that actually maybe this city is a bit more like what it says it is than I maybe thought so I just want to see that continued through the next year the next two years as we continue to work to try to make the education system in the city fairer for, for, for children living in low-income families and, and in low-income communities because that's the most important thing that we do. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I echo all of, those, all of the thanks and the amazing people we've had working with us who are there doing amazing, amazing stuff. I mean, I, I don't want to sort of, you know, quickly bypass the amazing news tonight but there are other things that are going to have to happen to make this new policy change work. And, and we just wanted to really quickly touch on some of those before we get kicked out of the council building that we're hijacking to do this this bit in. So, Carly, do you want to say a little bit about some yeah, of those? Yeah, the, the, the absolute. And I think this is a real and pressing issue. Brighton Aldridge Community Academy expressed their concerns about what it would mean for schools that sit in the east of the, of the city. You know, we have no... Um, we do not want any secondary school in the city to close. We will do everything we can to fully support um, 
those secondary schools to thrive into the future. But the thing we need is we need the city again to come together to make some decisions that say, do you know what, you know, we need to support the education of all children in our city. You know, my child is absolutely important to me, but on this occasion, I'm going to I'm going to act differently. I'm going to think differently. I'm going to do differently because actually having a, a well-educated pupil population means that my child will have a better experience, actually, of living here, growing up here, working here. Um, and, and that's the thing we really need. And actually, the other thing we really need is there are going to be some controversial issues that come up that potentially include changes to publish admission numbers in some of the popular schools, popular. Um, it, it might include changes to catchment areas. And all of those things in the past have been really divisive and have been fought over tooth and nail. And we just want to say, actually, we want to talk to the councillors in the city and we want to say, this is the next step of this process. You need to support us. I'm really conscious of the fact that we'll have a general election coming up very soon. And I think one of the, the risks is that you then get a fracture in the consensus that there is currently around this issue. So at the moment, we've got Labour and we've got Greens supporting, all supported tonight, this policy proposal. We need that coalition to remain strong as we head into the next part of this process. If it doesn't and it fractures, then... I, I just worry about what's going to happen next. So we're going to be doing a lot of work around building those relationships and, and, and building that consensus and maintaining that consensus over the next few months. Yeah, and, and also on the ground, you know, to make this policy that we've just had voted through work, we need to make sure that, especially locally for us and the community that we represent, that people know that that choice is now going to be available for them. They need to know how to make use of that. And also we want to do whatever we can to help schools do the work they need to do to support all of these new kids that might be coming into their schools as we see more free school meal kids going to different schools across the city. Um, so there is work to be done, um, but tonight it feels pretty positive. It feels pretty sweet, as my brother Aaron would say. Yes, yep. pretty yep. sweet. Exactly, exactly. And as Carly just said, what a sign, I think, that the stuff we talked about in the podcast, this idea, it takes a city to educate its children. And it does, and I think tonight, it feels like for the first time in a long time, more people have supported a change that will benefit people from less advantaged backgrounds and that feels rare so I think we need to absolutely celebrate that. We do and I think implementation, 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 there's been huge cuts to the, the budgets of local authorities and actually that the next big challenge as well as you know moving forward you're absolutely right Curtis is how are they actually going to implement this policy proposal and what kind of resources are they going to need in order to do that properly and how are they going to communicate with families that this is an option for them and how are they going to communicate with families that actually they can make different choices at secondary school for their children and how can we support families to make those choices and at the same time square the circle which is we know that Long Hill has a new head and is and is really working hard to improve that school we know that Backer um, has, a, has a really committed head and they want to continue their improvement journey so it seems like an impossible square to circle but you have to believe that it's possible and I yeah. think the next steps of that process are really going to be very telling. Yeah, yeah. Two more things before we finish and before some final words. Bigger systems change is really important. We need less of a marketised school system. We need to change how schools are funded. And we want to see this sort of stuff spread across the country. And Brighton, hopefully, will just be the start. 
Yeah, so if you're interested in doing that, get in touch. Yeah, thank you for listening. It's been a long night. <laughs>